Real quick before we begin our 15th episode, uh, I just want to go down the line on a few things, a few announcements and updates. Uh, number one, my band Jerome's Dream is releasing a new record on May 5th entitled The Gray in Between, out on Iodine Recordings and my label Microspy Music. And you can currently listen to two new tracks streaming everywhere, and we really hope you enjoy them. Uh, in other JD news, we will be touring uh, starting May 20th, as it currently stands, with the amazing Elizabeth Colorwheel. We are playing shows across the U.S., and tickets and show dates can be found at jeromesdreamforever.com slash tour. Um, also, be sure to uh, join our email list for more show announcements, merch drops, and all the usual cool shit. Um, the podcast, if you haven't already, please follow Microspy on Instagram at Microspy Music to keep up on all upcoming episodes. And also, if you wouldn't mind, please be sure to rate and review the pod. It would really mean the world to me. Uh, a quick reflection on this conversation that you're about to listen to with um, me and uh, Walter Schreifels of Quicksand, Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, Warzone, Rival Schools, the list goes on. Um, what a surreal experience it was to talk to one of the true originals of this culture and genre of music. Walter is a super grounded and thoughtful individual, and he really gives a lot of insight to his mode of thinking when it comes to music, creativity, collaboration, curiosity, and how running yoga and always pursuing what's next plays into his choose-your-own-adventure way of life. Um, our conversation broadened my perspective on how to consider seeing creativity over the course of time and how we are different people at different times in different circumstances. I'm telling you, this was a really unique and maybe even a bit unconventional conversation in exploring it all. So I really hope you enjoy it. Check out what Walter is up to in the description. Uh, there you will find links to all of his stuff, including some upcoming show dates in May with Rival Schools. All right. Thanks for sticking with me. Uh, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Let's go. You're listening to Microspy, a podcast that takes a closer look at the lives and work of musicians and creatives I admire. My name is Eric Rattensperger. In this episode, I speak with Walter Schreifels, member of the legendary hardcore bands Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, and the guitarist and singer of the highly acclaimed Quicksand, who just announced its 30th anniversary reissue of their iconic debut album, Slip, out on Iodine Recordings. Walter and I discuss the correlation between running and creativity, the humbling aspect of pushing beyond your comfort zone, smallness, time, and chemistry between collaborators. We talk about the pursuit to always keep moving forward, strive for the new, and how life can be a choose-your-own-adventure. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Walter Schreifels.
So this might be an unexpected way to kick off the conversation, but you're training for the New York Marathon this year. I am training for the marathon, but very slowly. Like I've just kind of started up running again. I twisted my ankle really pretty bad over the summer and it kind of set me back for a while. So um, I'm just getting back into it. And um, I kind of switched to yoga for a while, which I've always done, but I got way more into it. But while I was like not able to run, I just kind of amped that up. But yeah, I'm, I'm started running again. And um, I, st- I read this book called Breath by, God damn, I can't remember the author's name. Like I just started, I've just been breathing differently on my running, like with my mouth, like only through my nose, mm-hmm. which was not something that I did in the past. So I'm coming back at it like more breath training and uh, it slowed me down a little bit, but I think overall it's going to be a way better approach for me. Yeah. And, and was the twisting of your ankle, was that from overtraining or was that just kind of like a, a freak thing where you hit a crack or something? I was actually out here visiting uh, my folks in Santa Fe and... Um, there's these really awesome trails out here and, and I don't, you know, I'm not, I run in the city, so I'm not, it's kind of like trails cause you're running over curbs and dodging traffic. It's yeah, a sort yeah, of, yeah. it's, you know, your mind's working while you're running, but out here it's like, yeah, running through these like really cool trails and there's all different heights and all this kind of stuff. So I really liked it until of course I just like stepped wrong and just like my whole ankle just like spun over oh, and Damn. I was kind of like, in the middle of the woods and just like, what the hell? Like, am I, how am I even going to like walk back? But, uh, you it's know, kind of one of my biggest fears oof. is that, you know, if you're on the trails and you, you get injured, it's like, what the fuck do you do? Where yeah. do you go? Like, how do you get yourself back to safety? Do you have enough? Do you have water? Do you, you know, my like, phone was dying, honestly. Like I had like almost no signal. So I was like, and there's no signal out there. So it's like, I can't call anybody. I'm in the middle of the goddamn woods, you know? So I had that moment of like, all right, how am I going to like, deal with this situation because it's going to be really embarrassing if they've got to like, you know, but anyway, it it all worked out fine. And, um, but yeah, it took me a while to like rehab my, my ankle, but now it's feeling like kind of like, it's really, uh, I want to say like, it's kind of back hundred percent, you know, there's other stuff that are bang that's banged up now, but yeah, but are you going to hit the the trails while you're out there? I don't know. I'm I'm really, (laughs) I'm considering it, you know, I don't see a lot of in these trails. It's more like walking trails and I don't see a lot of people running there. And like, I think I kind of understand why now. Maybe get some trekking poles. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's more for that kind of thing. But it's fun, you know, like just all, you know, all the, the sun's kind of cutting through and it's just all this different um, oh, elevations. I, I really like it, but, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's maybe it's not like, but there's a risk to it, I guess. There is a risk for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm a fellow runner as well, and I also do a bunch of hiking. And I actually recently went to um, Sawtooth in mm. uh, Idaho. Oh, and, wow. um yeah, it was just, I, you know, I booked a flight from SF to, to Boise, mm-hmm. and then I rented a car, drove two and a half hours out to the trailhead. Oh, my God. Middle of nowhere. And I, I wasn't running. I was just hiking. Uh-huh. I just did, like, two overnights. But, you know, it was probably one of the bigger treks I've done. It was a, it was about, like, just over 40 miles over two days. And, you know, I knew that it was going to be a big trek, and I knew that there's like, there's risks and safety and all that, you know, whether it's rolling an ankle or, you know, getting approached by a bear or whatever. Yeah. And I just remember when I was kind of in the middle of this trip and it was a, it was a solo backpacking trip. And, um, 
and I realized, well, maybe I should have like a GPS yeah, signal thing. For sure. When you're out there by yourself, you are really out there by yourself. You know, you oh, have yeah. no signal, you have nothing, you have, you know, I mean, obviously I brought like a water filtration system and all that and, mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, there's something about being out in the woods. Yeah, that's part of the fun of it. It's just being like, to have that feeling of smallness and not being able to be found, you know what I mean? Because you're walking around yeah. San Francisco, you can easily be found. And, right. you know, you have your phone and all that kind of stuff. I think it's really cool to experience that. Like one time I was, um, I was out in, uh, I was in Japan and I was in Okinawa and I met these people that, that were like part of the military or, you know, this, this, mm. and so they had- the U.S. military or Japanese US. military? And they had, so they had access to scuba tanks for, you know, to go scuba diving. So we went on this right. beach dive out in, uh, in the ocean there. And I don't know what the body of water is. It might be the Pacific. It might be some sea of China or Japan or some yeah, sort of yeah. thing. But, um, you know, I'm not like a super experienced scuba diver, but I, I remember like following out, you know, there was, it was a, a couple and following them out on this, this dive. And then all of a sudden you're just like kind of out in the, right, right. Like in beyond the, like the sort of comfort area. Yes, right? like where, where it takes us. You know a, you're out there. 100%. And it's like a steep incline. So where you're just looking down and it's just like, it just goes down damn deep. And it's just like, you're right. in the ocean. And I kind of lost track of those guys. So I'm just like by myself in this like expanse of, of the ocean. And I'm thinking I'm on the other side of the planet in this you know, just of water. on part of water. And it was just this moment of feeling like, yeah, the smallness and just a little bit of fear. And then yes. also just quickly creating a plan. Like, actually you're fine. The worst thing you can do, the worst thing that's going to happen is you'll just go to the top of the surface, see where you're at and just right. go towards the beach. You're going to be fine. So I, f I found, I found it every, which is exactly how it worked out. But just like that feeling of being like, out in the woods, out, you know, like, it's just really cool. And I'm not like, I have friends that are really into, into trekking. Like I have this one friend in Germany yeah. that goes out in the, um, like in the north of like, um, you know, in Scandinavia, like up in Norway, like he, he telling me the craziest stories. He'll be out there for like two weeks in like, you know, frozen tundra, just like right. walking around by himself. And it's kind of partly insane. Um, right. But it's a but thrill. Again, that's the thing. And, and it's that, that idea of putting yourself in an environment that kind of reminds you of, of sort of your place. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, brings, it, it brings this acute focus to that smallness of your existence. And so in a way, it's almost kind of meditative. Um, oh, 100%. You know, I mean, as is running, of course, you know, it's like this, yeah. this physical act, whether it's backpacking or if it's running. And, you know, I, I think it's cool to kind of hear that you're including this mindfulness of essentially breath work while you're, you're running and how it's kind of changing your relationship with it. I find that stuff to be really fascinating just in terms of our, in terms of our connection to breath and how it affects our, com our complete being and our, our mood and our feelings. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, and it's I think, nuts. you know, I've definitely, I think through 
more yoga than running, like have become, a, you know, more aware of my breathing over, over the years. But now, like I read this book, Breath, it's amazing. I, I super recommend it. But yeah, just getting way more in touch with like this thing that we take for granted. I mean, it's like before eating, br- breathing is like, that's the number one thing. Number one. Yeah. So, but yet you just kind of like, don't really consider it. And like the, 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 you know, how your lungs are involved and like how it affects your body. And, um, so it's been cool to focus on that. And I think it's, it's really great, especially when you're in those kind of, um, you know, when you put yourself in those kind of situations, you know, like whether trekking, running, um, you know, the breath is the, is the way that you can return to a sort of centered calm. Right. Like an equilibrium or something. Absolutely. And, and I think it's definitely something that I've been focusing on and, and to bring it full circle, it's kind of like being in the middle of a mosh pit too. Like where you're just like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Just like you're in this like turgid or like, you know, underweight, under turning in waves, tumbling in waves, um, where you don't know up or down you know, you can always come back to your breath and just be, find that equilibrium. It's, it's, it's a special kind of thing to track into. I was going to ask you, you know, is there a connection between how you're existing as a runner or, um, a, you know, you, you, you've been practicing yoga, yoga for how, how long now? Um, going on 20 years, probably 20 years. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, you know, is there, is there a, a relationship between you as a creative and a musician and your life as a runner and yoga practitioner or yogi rather? The one that I draw mostly from running and and yoga too is is more the perf- sort of the performance side of it, where, I mean, not only the performance side of it, but like when you're playing music, uh, you know, even a re- in a rehearsal uh, situation, or if you're really in a flow, even in a creative flow that you can um, minimize distraction and you can just be like very present in a way that doesn't feel like I'm being present now because once you start thinking about that, then it's sort of, then you're out of it. But like where, where time is no longer, you know what I mean? Like I think you can get it from playing basketball. It's like a, it, well, it's like a flow. I mean, I would imagine it, yeah. it's similar to to like the physical act of, of a, 
I guess you would call it a flow in yoga, right? In yeah, for sure. The, the different, yeah, it almost applies to sort of how you operate in your your day to day, even when you're not doing the actual physical act of of, mm. a, of a flow mm-hmm. in your practice, but it it translates to a frame of mind, and like you said, like a, like inspires a level of presence that you might not otherwise have. And I think you can be more effective in whatever you then put your focus on, you know what I mean? In terms of like, and I think this is probably true for anybody that, you know, kind of engages whatever in running or, or, you know, things, things like that is like, you know, if you're feeling like anxious about something like that, you just kind of like, if, if I'm going to run, if I'm feeling anxious about something, I know if I go for a run, when I come back, I'm going to be a better frame of mind to like, totally to, to put whatever it is that I'm anxious about into a, into a perspective and be, effective, more effective in, in like addressing it or just being like, why the hell do you even care? You know what I mean? And I think that, you know, I think that, that I definitely get that feeling from, from music as well. You know what I mean? From, from, especially like a kind of, kind of a performance side of it, because once you are, uh, kind of up there doing it, like you are, you want to do it well. And then, um, you want to do it without thought. You just want to react instinctively. Right, and so, yeah, so you kind of surrender to that. And I think, um, you know, once you're kind of through with that, you, you know, it doesn't always go well and you're not, you know, sure. without, without, you know, things that you would, you would do better or differently, but hopefully you're, you're able, you know, you're just in a better place to like, uh, to consider those things and to, and to, and to, to take them as like, um, yeah, it's just not that important really. It's just like, it's not like, oh man, we had a shitty show or like, I wish I did that better or something like that. Or like be elated about something that like everything went great. You know what I mean? To like embrace that and and be a part of it, but not like it it just, you know, it's part, it's just, it's just like a constant, um, that's what keeps it interesting, you know, because sometimes it doesn't work out good. You know what I mean? And when it does work right. out, celebrate it, have a good time and just try to like, but if you, if you do something really well and you celebrate it too much and then try to do that same thing again, then you're always, it, you're always going to screw it up because it just never works again the same way, you know? It, yeah. So it's, um, it keeps life interesting. And I, I find like through running, through these kind of different things or even just like walking, you know what I mean? Uh, taking time, like the other day I was in the city and, um, I just went for a walk, you know what I mean? And I, I, you know, just had some things that I thought I might do. And by doing that, I thought, oh shit, well, like maybe should be taking care of this or maybe should be taking care of that. And it's like, no, now just do what you want and don't do, don't feel the responsibility to take care of anything. Because you totally, need, I totally feel that. You need like, that. Like, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's how I feel, you know, with my relationship with running. You know, I think we all kind of experience different levels of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, you know, to what you're touching on with, like, how running, yoga practice, even just the act of playing music, performance, these are all, in a way, like, meditative practices that kind of help maintain that balance in terms of what's going on up here. Um, and yeah, like a lot of times almost prefacing a run, I'll have just my, my, my mind will just kind of start racing and then it kind of compounds and then there will be this level of procrastination that kicks in as well in terms of 
actually getting laced up and getting on, yeah. the, on the road and, and running. But, you know, to piggyback on what you just said, it's like you get out there and it's like you just have to keep forward moving. You have to keep this momentum going in order to keep some level of, uh, of balance, you know. Yeah, I think that's been kind of my thing with both running and just being involved in music and creativity. It's like that constant act of just trying to keep forward moving yeah. is what helps me keep balanced. It puts something in front of you. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, you know, I guess like in a, in an earlier form of, of, you know, it, as like human beings, like I read this book species, I think it was called species. And, mm. um, it was talking about like hunter gatherer human beings, you know, like you get up as a hunter gatherer human being and you got to like walk around, you got to make sure you don't step on anything that could give, create an infection. Mm. You, um, you know, take care of the people that you can take care of. You got to avoid, you know, dangerous animals and all this stuff. So, you know, our body was in tune to these like hyper, um, you know, you knew what not step on. You understood what, what like little things could help you or what might kill you and all that kind of thing. Like the stakes were damn high. But in like modern life, we're bombarded with all this crap that doesn't matter. Totally. And, and so something like a run, I think, plugs into those like natural instincts of like, I just have to get, I just have to keep this forward motion. And right. like the, the kind of all the neurotic shit that will kind of throw roadblocks in front of like, oh, well, um, yeah, like you said, like hard to get dressed to go running. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like that, that your mind is like just creating these like little things to just throw at you like, why don't you do this? Or like, why not? Here's a reason to not do it. Here's another reason to not do it. Oh, absolutely. The mind is almost our worst enemies. Yeah. And and so you just got to see, and like, you are that mind. Like that is, you know what I mean? So I don't know what the, like going back to this, like kind of hunter gatherer thing is like what it's trying to protect you from, but you, you, you know, maybe it's like a force of will or just like a built up understanding that, okay, it's a pain in the ass getting dressed for this thing. Like I'm going to be annoyed for the first 15 minutes. But when you get in that flow and you know when it's over, whenever that is, if it's a longer run or a shorter, whenever it's over, you're going to feel good even because you just did it and it was a pain in the ass. And uh, even if it was a pain in the ass, or you're going to be like, oh my God, like it was easier than I thought. I ran further than I thought, or, you know, at a better pace than I had the other day, you know, and you claim those like little victories. And you know, those can be meaningful to, to you, you know what I mean? Or give you confidence to like deal with some of the other stuff that you just do have to deal with, you know, in like personal relationships, uh, professional, uh, stuff that you gotta, you know, matters and doesn't matter, you know what I mean? And, and, and it's the the small wins. Yeah. So, you know, those, those kind of like put you in a, in a better headspace. So I, I like the simplicity of like, all I got to do is put on the stupid clothes and or actually they're cool clothes. You know what I mean? Like these cool <laughs> yeah. to hyper technical, you know, clothes are like really cool. There's great running shoes now, you know, and you can have a, a, a an opinion about them. And, but basically you're just, you're just like pushing through that wall, completing a task that like, you know, especially on tour, you know what I mean? Like I, I love to get here. I am in this, little bubble of, of like s- sort of 
different variety, excitement and all that, that. But a lot of it's very samey, you know what I mean? Because ultimately, yeah. like, you're at this club with the same people and, you know, the experience and the, and the scheduling and all this kind of stuff does get rote routine. But when you go for a run, you're seeing the city, you're, you're escaping that. So, I, you know, it, it just puts you in a better mind space to, to do all this other stuff. So, you know, I, I just, I feel like, the, it, but it's not that hard. It's not like, you know, like I said, like in hunter, hunter gatherer things, like you, if you don't run fast enough, you're good. The, the right. saber tooth tiger is going to catch you. I mean, it's going to catch yeah, you. Yeah, totally. I mean, that, that actually reminds me of this podcast I was listening to. Are you familiar with um, Dr. Andrew Huberman? I don't know him, no. Should check him out. Um, he's a neuroscientist at um, at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, what I find kind of cool about him is that he has roots in skateboarding, and uh-huh. he, I think he grew up with like the Mike Carrolls of the world, and you know people up in uh, the kind of like Bay Area. But he's this podcaster, author, neuroscientist guy who really puts a focus on the academic side of breathwork. Um, mm. and in all these other really fascinating territories of the brain and the mind. But there's one thing that, and it kind of gets to the hunter-gatherer aspect, is uh, when, and I'm saying this actually with regard to running, that when we run, our brain, like basically, because our, our eyes are actually connected to our brain, mm-hmm. like it's actually a part of the brain, supposedly, mm. Um and when we run, our aperture actually focuses, so it's it becomes a more like myopic, very like hyper focused thing. So when you're running on a trail, and there's roots and there's rocks and stuff, yeah. your mind actually becomes super aware of oh, those yeah. imperfections in the the surface. And I feel like, and that's probably all I could speak to regarding that, because anything else is beyond my my absolutely. But I find it so fascinating because I, I find that there are a lot of similarities. And again, I, I love how we kind of just went deep into this aspect of running or even meditation or practicing yoga, how it almost correlates with, with music and creativity. In a way, it's all kind of all-encompassing mm-hmm. as far as w- what purpose it serves and how it kind of keeps us on this forward-moving trajectory. You know, And I would imagine with, with music... It's like you, you've been so prolific over these, I mean, it's crazy to say, you know, 30 plus years, three decades long of this contribution to this culture, to this area of music. I find it so incredible. And again, like it's, it's truly mind blowing for me. Never did I think that we would ever connect like this at this way. I mean, talk about like modern day you know, just the capabilities of you to sign in from your parents' house and me to, <laughs> you know, sit in my closet in a control room <laughs> or an ISO booth. It's the, it's the funniest thing. But yeah, like, like in terms of how prolific you've been over these years, you know, starting from, you know, Youth of Today and Gorilla Biscuits, Quicksand and, you know, Rival Schools and everything else in between, it almost leaves no room for like the extra shit or like the, the static or the noise, you know, it's almost like in your, your history as a musician and a creative, you've had this ability to kind of stay the course from, from the early years when you were younger and like to present day, you're, you're just, you're still on this forward track. Mm. How have you been able to kind of stay on this course and what has compelled you to kind of keep, keep forward moving with your, you know, involvement with this music and everything else around it. Like, 
you seem to have embodied this whole thing from like start to finish. Like you are just, you're taking it to the grave, literally, it seems, you know, not implying that you're anywhere near the grave. Some, some long period of, of time from now. Yes. <laughs> so can you talk about sort of what, what this life is like for you, just in terms of someone who has kind of embodied this? I mean, it's, 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 it's something that I'm, curious to learn more about because you know you're someone at, at least in my mind you know has been kind of you were at the starting point you know you 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 kind of helped carve out this space in punk and hardcore and music at large it like it started with you and your friends in new york well first thanks for saying all those nice things very nice and i appreciate that sorry, sorry to pour them onto you like that. um i i think um it's funny that we're talking in this context, but yeah, I mean, it is way like, it almost is like my thing with running or, or a yoga practice or um, you just put on the clothes and you go and do it. You know what I mean? And, and it just kind of, run, in some ways it can be really similar, but it's always different at the same time. And um, I think when I got into, involved in it in high school, I mean, it could have went any, any which way. I just, I loved music. I learned how to play guitar. And I got into a scene that was like, it wasn't that great when I got there, but it through like, it, I was a part of it, but through some people that had, you know, that were older than me, kind of like, it really started to, to, to turn into something. And so, um, you know, w with putting out, uh, Records and you just got you start, you started to get this um, traction, you know, which I think just because I was maybe such a fan of what was going on and I was so like into it, um, especially in this kind of hardcore kind of music. Like I was such a I was so into it and so absorbing it that when it came time for me to like make up my own version of it, you know, um, through Gorilla Biscuits or you know, I I wasn't so much uh i mean if i did contribute in in youth today and writing songs but it w i was really kind of jumping on to something that had existed yeah. i think i was a really sincere voice and really like i understood it and i got what what was good about it because i was just so into it so it was it was i didn't think of it at the time that way but i was like regurgitating it in, in a good way and so that just gained some traction and i didn't really see it as anything like uh, um it wasn't something like, I want to make it in music. I, what, not at all. Like, I really wanted to play CBGBs and be a part of this scene. And so yeah. I kind of accomplished that. It didn't seem really fast to me because, you know, we were trying to, like, get to play CBs. We were trying so hard. And, like, call, I'd call CBs every Wednesday trying to, like, get them to give us a gig. They fucking never give us a gig. You know, we made our demo tape. It was like kind of okay. It wasn't that great, to be honest. I thought other people's demos were better. But, you know, we slowly kind of surely got up to where we were in, we were in there. And we put out records and like to have people sing back, you know, the songs to us and like react to them yeah, was, yeah. was just a kind of crazy experience. I mean, I had seen it, you know, to me, like the best bands in when I was 16, 17 years old, like I, while I would have been into, um, I was into like the Smiths, I was into all this like new wave kind of stuff. I was like, 
you know, I was a big ACDC fan. I, you know, I had already gone through a lot of music. I was a music fan. But then once I was in hardcore, like, it was as if I could see ACDC every, you know, fourth weekend. You know what I mean? Because, like, that's how the cycle of, like, hardcore bands. There were so many good bands. And um, to be in that rotation eventually was, like, we made it. We did it. You know what I mean? And, um, and then, the, you know, kind of like all scenes that kind of, like, hits its peak and then it kind of dies out or it, it did for me. And, um, and I still had all these kind of tools that I had picked up from, from being in hardcore and, you know, kind of doing really well in that world and just started to like do it in a different way with quicksand. And then, but still I didn't see it as a career in any way. It wasn't like, I'm going to make it in music at all. It was just be, just the, the thing I was doing at the time really. So I was going to ask you about that transition from the earlier days of Gorilla Biscuits and how the scene was kind of evolving as well and where you get to this point where you kind of decided to shift gears and maybe it wasn't so deliberate, but something was changing, something was happening when Quicksand came about. Can you kind of explore that as far as the moment you started writing and putting yourself in a headspace for what eventually became, you know, the first quicksand seven inch and like, and then of course, you know, we're going to talk about slip, of course. Um, what compelled that trans transition? Cause I, I, I've heard you speak about um, almost like Ian McKay, like how he was in minor threat and there was almost like a similarity where, where he, you know, kind of transitioned to a whole other realm of sound that was still rooted in punk or hard or even hardcore but but it was different it was this whole new thing and i feel like that's what what really happened with quicksand it was this whole other vibe this whole other attitude that really it, it i feel like too especially a, you know a kid from connecticut we were and of course we were in the tri-state area but you know we were feeling those effects of that shift you know can you talk about where you were creatively when you when you were starting to kind of shift that sort of sonic aesthetic into the realm of quicksand. I think, you know, what I was saying also about the, you know, I was such a fan of what was going on, this scene of, of all these different bands. I was so yeah. into it. As it got more popular, I thought it got more samey, uh, mm. you know, and, and where Connecticut especially was like so amazingly and like down for like all yeah. this, this kind of youth crew kind of stuff. That started to spread everywhere. So then it sort of became like, it started to become samey to me, like musically, it, it, it was no longer going. It just sort of became a thing where you could just pick up the kit and do it. And so that started to kind of, 
I, I didn't like want to react against it necessarily because it was sort of a victory that it had turned out that way that people had caught on to it. But obviously if yeah. you're like at the forefront of something, you want to, you have to keep changing the, the story or it, it just gets Absolutely. flat. And at the same time in New York, which is, you know, different than what was kind of going on more broadly, it was getting so violent. Like there was just like fights at every show. And it's like, I don't, yeah. I don't like this stuff either. And, um, and then also my age where I was at, you know what I mean? Like I was no, I was going, I was college guy now, you know what I mean? And, and definitely standing on the shoulders of like someone like E. Mackay, who had already kind of gone through this transition was showing the way of like, while on the one hand, like I wanted him to like reform minor threat, you know what I mean? It was better that he would, had, was doing embrace and he was still like challenging you or, or obviously Fugazi was such a, such a cool thing that you didn't know that you wanted until it was like on that, then it was amazing when it was presented to you. So wanting to create that same sort of feeling, but, um, you know, in a, in a way that was like unique to me and, and the guys that I was playing with. And then I didn't feel like there was really any downside to just kind of going for it because no one really, while I was in Youth Today and Gorilla Biscuits and kind of had it, was known in, in, in that world, I was not known as like a singer guy. So I just figured like, we might as well just make something really cool and exciting for us. And if people think it's not hardcore or stupid or whatever, no one's really gonna care. You know what I mean? But I felt it was good, you know, I, I knew like this is good because I was a fan of what was happening. And I was also yeah. a fan of like um, what was going on at ABC No Rio in New York, which was trying to create a new scene. And, and I thought it was way more, the script was like unwritten. Right. It was almost like a portal to something different. Yeah. Or, or a venue like ABC No Rio was was an opportunity for bands. I mean, well, Quicksand's first show was at ABC. Yeah, right? so I, I identified with, with that, where yeah. the ritual had just become too, just, well, a tread, you know what I mean? Like what every, what you today had, in my mind, was trying to accomplish had been accomplished. And so like, we needed to move on and like, um, and it wasn't gonna be through this like, for me, my taste is like not like, the violent aspect of, of hardcore is like the part that really quickly lost its appeal to me. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And, you know, being from Connecticut and, you know, Connecticut at the time being so, so much about youth crew and there was like a lot of metalcore shit. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting for me to kind of reflect on that because, regardless of what the landscape was and regardless of, I mean, I never related to that shit, you know, like when, when, when hate breed started coming on the scene and when Jamie was like driving it that way. And, and I was, I was at those shows, you know, as a kid, I would go to those shows and I'd seen them plenty. And I just kept seeing the, the, the crowds becoming more and more violent. I'm like, fuck man. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't yeah. want to be around this. Like this yeah. is not, this is not what I want to be involved in. And, um, and that just kind of like kept going. And of course, you know, it became sort of a thing, you know, tough guy, hardcore and all this shit. And that's kind of when, you know, I think it was around, I don't know, 97 or 98 when I started seeking other hardcore. Yeah. You know? I feel like you guys as a band, 
you kind of led the way to showing that hardcore could be something else, mm. you know? And I think there were a lot of bands that, that obviously followed, but as a younger kid, and of course not having Spotify, you know, it took a minute for us to kind of discover that there were other bands out there who were tapped into their own creative vision but still kind of being a part of this this culture, you know, this like underground culture that we are all a part of. And so that's when I kind of, uh, I think, you know, as we grow up and again, there's sort of like this, this theme of forward moving, you know, this constant changing. And that's how I feel about music. That's how I feel. I mean, I, it's always nice to kind of reflect and be nostalgic, especially when so much time has gone by and you're like, man, like this shit is still like a part of me or yeah. it's, it's still affecting me. It's still playing a role in my life. Yeah. I mean, um, it's what you're, you're, you know, it, those experiences when you are at that age, they shape a lot of your thinking. And I think it's a very ideological scene. There's a lot of, conf- yeah. you know, a lot of, um, different ideologies within it, but I think it was really cool for that reason. You know what I mean? To have these different forces that you want to join on to and amplify or that you kind of want to get away from, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a cool, you know, public sort of space that, you know, the scene created, I thought it was really interesting that, that mix up. But I think after that, you know, quicksand got connected to a major label. So then all of a sudden I'm getting, you know, paid to do this sort of thing and you know you're in a you're in a bus and all this other kind of things I still didn't even then see it as like a career I just saw it as like sort of this thing that was happening that it would be like dumb to uh say no to you know what I mean like I guess I thought I would go to college and get a you know get some sort of degree in something and just kind of you know do music as sort of a hobby you know and then um But that just kind of continued through, you know, Quicksand, we made a couple of records. And then when Quicksand broke up, I got picked up for a solo record and which eventually became Rival Schools. And then I think after Rival Schools, I kind of saw myself having swum, swam, swimmed, swammed um, <laughs> that far out to just right. be like, okay, so what am I going to do now? Am I going to go back to college and like try to become some sort of thing that I thought I was going to do or is like, is this what I do? And, you know, is this, um, maybe I should not necessarily take it any more seriously, but just like value it in a different way, you know, to, to, to say like, um, I'm just kind of doing the stuff that I like by virtue of, um, you know, the people that I work with and my own kind of whatever musical, my taste, my, my, what I kind of put out there, you know, through lyrics, through like, you know, how I play guitar, uh, through the songs that I write. And then, and then I get to do all this stuff and I meet all these people and do all these things that I like. And like, it's not so, um, it might not be so valued in a sort of straight world way or, or that it's like that you can predict if it will sustain you financially you know what I mean like you can't it's not known for that you know what I mean so those are the risks that are involved in it but then just sort of seeing it in a way of like I'm just this is like yeah like valuing it differently you say well shit like this is this is really cool why what what is on that other side that you're missing out on and just started to do the math and be like I should just keep going and like seeing where it leads me and um 
And I think each record that I make, each group of people that I, I come together with is an adventure. And it is like, um, you know, I really loved Star Trek when I was little, like the yeah. old Star Trek. And I'm basically living a Star Trek lifestyle. You know, I go to different planets. I meet people. We have different adventures. You know, sometimes it's Deep Space Nine. Sometimes it's, <laughs> uh, you know, Next Generation. Sometimes it's the OG. Like, I kind of feel like that's what it is for me. And as a, um, you know, we're, we're talking about like earlier about running or yoga. It's very similar in that regard, you know what I mean? And, and your focus does get, you know, your eyes connected to your brain. Like a lot of right. things are happening, but your brain is reacting so quickly to it that it's just like a super high. And it, to feel yourself engaged in something that, okay, you don't want to put too much like weight on it, that it has like some sort of like heavy meaning, but you know, because I, you know, for me personally, like I, I've experienced music, art, whatever, books, things, uh, you know, people that have made me feel something that like is valuable to me or, or showed me something or like connect to, opened up a way that I feel already and let me see it or let me experience it in a way that, that, um, that giving me that access to it is, is a, a wonderful thing to be a part of that connection. It's all very well said. I mean, and it's so true. It's almost like in this life, life really is like a, a choose your own adventure. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and I think culturally, um, you know, people are made to think that they need to go to college, get the degree, yeah. get the job, you know, get the house with the white picket fence, do their 401k. A lot of propaganda. Retire. You know, it's just fucking, it's just so, it's, it's such a boxed in way of viewing the world. But, most people don't even think beyond that because that's just what they're almost sort of put on to think is the the metric for success. Yeah, I mean, that's what advertising is telling you. That's what your parents were told be, before you. And so, you know, we're all, I mean, I wouldn't say like in my perfect world, everyone just go out, freak out and start a band. But like, right. it's not for everybody. But I mean, like when you when you think of how people like, hold to these conventions that because uh you know they're they're afraid of like losing the plot of of which has basically been kind of made up to serve interests that maybe like you're not really actually a part of i feel like through music not i wouldn't say like i was so driven or brave or like intuitive but it just i, I think i appreciate it greatly that like I've been able to through music not in all ways but like in a lot of ways have been able to like not just kind of go under my own steam you know what I mean and and not I, I still have a lot of those conventions you know what I mean and and yeah. I'm not knocking that kind of thing but it was you know not not the, the path that my parents took or that I would have expected to but I, I it's awesome you know it's it's this kind of stuff that I like it's not the kind of stuff that everybody likes Absolutely. Yeah. And that's not to say that, you know, the stability of a job and, and the house and whatever else comes with it is, is it's not it's not to say that it's a bad thing. It's just it's more so just to kind of outline sort of this kind of blanketed view of, of what our culture sees as like the the North Star. Mm -hmm. But then there's these alternative 
ways of going about life that I find to be way more exciting and more interesting and, and richer in the sense that people involved in the arts, people involved in, in making things, you know, not just pencil pushing and crunching numbers. I mean, again, there's a, there's a place for everything, but I feel like for this world that you've almost carved out for yourself by being so involved and so prolific, it's almost like there's an aspect of, or there's like a level of risk involved, right? Because to your point, you're not saying like everyone should just freak out and join a band and just go head first and just, yeah, you know, it's going to happen. It's not for everybody. It's not. I mean, it takes, it takes a certain personality, I think. It takes a certain f- frame of mind to, to almost allow yourself to keep going. And it kind of reminds me of what you were talking about when you were scuba diving off the coast of uh, Okinawa, you know, where you get to that point where like the shelf just falls off and you just see blackness or you're kind of like, you don't know what else is around you, but you decided to do it. And then you find yourself out there. And I feel like that's almost what I could equate sort of where you're at now in your, your musical life, your artistic life, where you're, you just decided to keep going out. And everything is like okay, you know. Yeah. It's like, and and not not and not in the sense of like, I mean, again, how do you measure success, right? But I think in your case, and uh, and you know, a lot of other people's cases in the realm of of creative pursuits, I feel like you know when when you're willing to take that risk, you know, regardless of like whatever, I mean, monetary success, put that on the table for now. But it's more so about what fulfills your soul what what kind of resonates within your heart right and i think there's a lot of people who might have been involved in the scene 10 20 30 years ago who might have gone on to that traditional route and you know just thinking that's what they need to do when they grow up or like when they become older um and that's and that's fine but i'm finding that you know i'm so i'm 43 and you know i've had this kind of not a love-hate relationship with hardcore or like underground music, punk rock, whatever you want to call it, you know, just in the process of growing up and, and becoming older, I've tried to also navigate my own relationship with it and how it kind of fits within my life. And then I realized in the past five years or so that this is actually something that I have to, I have to do and be involved in. Like, it's just a part of what actually resonates with me on a much deeper level. And it makes everything else like all the static all the noise all of the sort of outside expectations of what you're supposed to achieve at x age and all that kind of dissipates it kind of goes away when you really tap into your own when you tap into your own thing that brings you the most most joy and stability you know in your mind and i feel I feel really grateful for that, you know, just it's mostly free. You know what I mean? You just, you you can just do it, you know? And, and that's, um, you know, that's again, going back to, to, to just circle back to running too, is like, it's basically free. You just go outside and do it. Like hardcore is like, you don't have to be good. You don't need good equipment. You know, you want to call some friends and, and, you know, it's just about expression more than anything. Like I did a, a, a hardcore show over COVID and I kind of re-familiarized myself with like what, cause I really am not plugged in so deeply, but I, I got plugged in. And one thing I, I realized, and, and it's, I think has always been true is like how 
there's no really one exact formula for hardcore. Like mm-hmm. lot, lots of people see it differently depending on where, where they are from in the country, when they got into it, what's their Absolutely. favorite band. And so like, it's really just about expression void of like, um, you know, this sort of careerist professionalism. It's more about like, how, how do you get along with a few people? Right. And how do you uh, manifest whatever it is inside of you? Because the, 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 the tools are pretty simple it takes some organization. It's, 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 it's an adventure, you know, even on the smallest level, even if your band sucks and no one likes you, you still hung out with those three, four people, or two people and, and, and kind of explored this thing and had to do all the stuff that it does, you know, which is, you could do a great job or a shitty job. It's still a, a thing that you did. conversations uh, about sort of the, the, like an aspect of chemistry between the people you play with and also time, you know, in terms of how that influences what comes out from an expressive standpoint. You know, it's like, I think he was talked about how you play with one group of friends and it comes out one way, but then you, you decide to do something with, with other people who might not, who might not even be friends or they might be lesser known acquaintances or people that you decide to like make something and suddenly you have like this unexpected result, which is kind of cool. Cause again, it's like taking creative risks, taking risks with collaboration. Keeps it interesting. You know, you're, right. you're different in all kinds of different situations among different people. You know what I mean? Like how you are with your high school friends or something that you see once in a while versus some new group of people that you just met or like, can you intermingle those groups? And like, how are you? Or how are you with your family? How are you with your, your extended family? Like, how are you at work? How are you? You know, obviously there's some sort of thread that is you, but different right. things come out. And so, you know, my experience with these different bands and, and working through with different people is like, how do you, by, by virtue of, of the fact that you're working with different people under different circumstances, like what comes out in you and what do you learn from it and how does that keep it interesting like i guess i guess something that i keep coming back to and also take you to another place you know through that experience be it like really good medium or you know a dead end you know what i mean like all 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 of those things obviously option one is the best uh being even option three is an important part of the story too. You know what I mean? And, and like, 
I, I think you just can't go wrong. And so I think with, with making up a band or, you know, even like, even if it's like your vision, right? Like your vision, like I've got this, I, this record in my head, I need to get it out. Like if you're only working with like, you know, if you're doing it all by yourself, like that's, a, that's, that's pretty amazing. You know what I mean? Because you've got to make all the decisions and take all the, and if it doesn't go right, like you, you, there's no one to point a finger at. It's right. you. Um, if you have one person, you know, that's another kind of level. Now you got, it's a little bit eased up, but you also have to make space for someone else's uh, creative input. Or if you want to work with a gr- group of people and you're the genius, you've got to convince those people that you are the genius and get the best out of them, you know, and still make them feel a part of it because everybody, I think I'm always better when I'm given the space to be creative, you know, but still be a part of the vision, you know, not to be like, okay, it's creative time. I'm going to go over here and you're over there. Like that can sometimes work, but, um, you know, all these different possible possibilities, you know, in, in workflow or whatever creative paths are just ways to, to move forward as a, as a person, as an artist, as, as a, you know, the sort of story of your, of your life, you know what I mean? Like the, the people that you, that get close to and that, you know, things, things happen with and they're, they're in your story and you're in theirs and, uh, you know, through music, it's, it's all pretty, it's awesome. You know what I mean? And usually pretty harmless there's that fine balance of the creative process when it comes to collaboration and, and, you know, people coming together to make this like singular thing. And yeah, I think that's why some bands thrive and are still going, you know, who last forever. And there's bands that, you know, put out one record and then you never hear from them again. And it's probably because, you know, the, the drummer brought a song to the, the guitar player or something and said, Hey, I got a song, you know, and then it's like, nope. And then, uh, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been there. I've done all those, those things. And like, as a result of experiencing them, I think I, I don't, I try not to make the same mistakes. I make different mistakes or I I can change course through having been in the same cul-de-sac enough times to be like, Oh, right. I'm back here again. What, what, what did I do? I think that's the way to be, you know, cause again, I, I keep drawing, I keep pulling themes here from, you know, our talk about, you know, just this forward moving trajectory or always, always, always trying to do things that kind of keep the, the whole thing interesting. It's about having this level of creative fluidity and like knowing when to kind of listen to your ego and then check your ego and also note when things are working chemistry wise with, with other people. And, you know, again, I think it all it's all integrated between those you collaborate with the time that you collaborate with them, you know, like what's hap- what's happening in that moment. So it's kind of wild how in a way it, it's all connected in, in terms of what, what comes out as a result from an, from an expressive standpoint. It's like, like you said, we're, we're different people with different people and at different times in your life, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I mean, I fucking love that. Cause it's so true. Yeah, I mean, I listen to some things now, like if every once in a while something will pop up that I thought, oh, well, you know, you know, a lot of times it'll be something that didn't really see the light of day. And I'll listen to it and I'll be like, holy shit, this was really good. What was going on with me that I didn't like really get behind this? 
at that yeah. time. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's just interesting to see it from those kind of perspectives because it's all about like how, how you perceive something at a certain time is, is really so um, is skewed by like circumstances you might not even remember like what right. what what was my, what was i hung up on at that time or like what was the context and and you know uh how how did i fail to to see the good in this or not not get yeah put my back into it in such a way and it just is what it is you know what i mean you can, it's not it's it, but it's it's nice how these um little creative things um you know, these different efforts, like tell, tell, reflect back on you and tell you, tell you a little something. And even if it didn't like, you know, some things I did that I think people really love, like my relationship to it might've been like, oh, well, you know, it's not my best stuff, you know? Right. But, but it's life changing for a listener or someone who, you know, was going through something at the time they heard a song that you wrote and they're like, yeah, you changed my fucking life. And you're like, well, that wasn't, wasn't my favorite song, but I'm, I'm not going to discount that. You know what I mean? Like totally. I mean, it's p- really powerful, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, and, and, you know, I'm always putting my best effort into something. It's just like my relationship to whatever that is, even yeah. if it's, even if I put my best effort, I don't necessarily rank it as my best work. And it works uh, sometimes like where I think this is my best work and, and it doesn't get accepted in the way that it, that I feel like it, it's deserving. And right. Sometimes I think it's my best work and it gets really well accepted and that's cool when it happens like that, but it's so random about like when it comes out, you know, who tells you about it and all, all these different things. So I find that over time more, it's just interesting that that's just, you know, it tells you something about how the life is, how the world works and all that kind of stuff. And right. All the variables. Yeah. And I, now I look at it as like, it's just what I do. It's a part of me. It's just like I, I'm interested in how I can like push in ways that I feel like um, shaky on and um, put myself out there because I never want to do something that's like, oh, well, that I'm, I'm on a good run here. Most of my – I back – like I said, some of my stuff I like more than other stuff. Yeah. But I'm on a good run. I definitely don't want to mess that up. But I think sometimes you need – it's brave to, to mess it up. You know what I mean? It's, it's brave to put out a stupid record that no one likes, Yeah. you know, and let that be, you know what I mean? And there's stuff, st- not that I'm trying to do that, but, um, I think that that's where, you know, that's for free. You know what I mean? That that's, that that's open to anybody, you know what I mean? And, and, um, so I'm interested in taking advantage of that because it's like, it's usually that's in the place where you're, you're most likely going to do something really interesting, you know, yeah. is when you're like, this might suck. hundred percent. And, and yeah, I guess you get to the point where you make something at that time with whomever it is you're collaborating with. And then you, you, you as the creative, as the artist, you decide, okay, it's done. Yeah. And then you, then you submit it and then it gets released. And at that point, you're done. I mean, with exception of like some touring and stuff, but like the work is done. The thing yeah. is on tape. It's out in the world. Yeah. And you have no control over how it's received. Yeah. Know? So that's, that's also kind of the exhilarating aspect of it. Right. Being, yeah. Being creative and making work and believing in the work so much and 
hopefully saying to yourself, yeah, like this is the best it could have been at that moment. Yeah. I mean, that's really all you can do. I mean, a lot yeah. of, cause there's always, I mean, it's, I've had some records where I think this one, I, I mean, a, a good handful of them where I'm like, yeah. this is great. Right. And then there's some other ones where I'm like, okay, well, I think the, the pluses are bigger than the minuses here. And I gave it all I got, you know what I mean? But it's like, yeah. you just never like that perception could be totally off. You know what I mean? You can totally reassess that at a different time or like what people's reaction to it will change your thinking about it. I don't know. It's all just like, I guess it keeps going back. Like if nothing else, like it's, it's an interesting way to, um, to kind of just go through for me anyway. I, I, I just, and I also like the, um, I like touring. I like traveling. I like, I like the, the, all the people that I get to meet because I, I just know a lot of interesting people through music. And, um, you know, just like you're basically creating a space where people can, like, you know, mesh. And, like, you know, it, it's, it's, a cool, it's, a cool, it's a cool function, you know what I mean? So... Totally. I, I, I like it after, after um, all this time. I still, I still really appreciate it. So speaking of, you know, we kind of touched on your personal take on something that you've made and that you might have made it 30 years ago. In this case, quicksand slip. And I wanted to touch on the reissue, uh-huh. which looks incredible, by the Thank way. You. It seems, it seems like, like Casey and, and the whole iodine crew really... They did a great job. Hard. I really can't take I mean, credit for it. They just they crushed it. It's so, it's so amazing to see what they've done with it. You know, Casey was kind enough to show me an advance copy of the book that's accompanied with the vinyl. And, um, for me, it was a real treat and a privilege to be able to kind of pour over it and like just look at the way they were able to kind of capture this this collage, almost literal collage of the flyers and the the photographs and of course all the writings from all these people that were, you know, involved at the time and and surrounded the band. I wanted to ask you just sort of what your what your take is on you know, having this thing now almost, it's, it's coming out soon. I know it's on pre-order still, but obviously a lot of the, the records have been accounted for already. How does it feel to, to kind of revisit that as, or that moment in your life as a creative? You know, of, of course, Slip and Quicksand at large, is it's such an integral part to a lot. It's like so many, it's like innumerable how many people have been affected by this work and in particular this record. So for you personally, you know, when you kind of started the conversations with Casey and talked about this idea of this reissue, what were the feelings that you were experiencing when you were kind of revisiting this? I don't know if it was the headspace of, you know, transporting you to that time, but I can't help think that it probably did. It was cool. I mean, I I guess... I'm not thinking about it too much. So when Iodine was went and, and got the rights to do all this kind of stuff, I was like, okay, cool, right? Oh, right, it's coming. The the anniversary's yeah. coming up. That's great. But they just did such a wonderful job of it. Yeah, it definitely brought me back into it, and uh, they did it so lovingly. I just think, I guess, I really appreciate that we 
were um, just, I think we had good timing in a way. Like um, we were doing something, we were kind of, uh, got a chance to um, make a record that got a, a push, you know what I mean? In a way that no hardcore yeah. records had, had gotten. Yeah, it was kind of like unheard of for a major label to even touch this kind focus of focus on underground, you know. So it was only by virtue, I think, of Nirvana blowing up that this kind of really kind of not there's pop elements to, but it wasn't like commercial music, really. It's very niche music in, in a lot of ways. But, they, you know, in a lot of ways, it, it sounds big and, and important, it, you know, enough that they th they thought they could sell millions of records of it. Like we sold a good amount of records and I think we've had a lot of influence. But like to be put out there at that time when music, it was just a really cool time for music. You know what I mean? There was so much coming from the underground that was new and exciting being thrown out to the masses, you know, um, and that we were kind of, I think we were representing, you know, now with the internet, I think every band can be represented, you know, I think like us having a record on a major label in 1990, whatever it was that it came out, represented the, 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 the failures of tens, 10,000 bands that could have done it, you know, mm -hmm. like we got the chance to, to do those things and express this idea of a mix of like, you know, where we came from, what we were personally interested in and things that we were grabbing from. And so I look at these photos and I thought, oh, well, that's really, there's, I was just doing it at the time, you know what right. I mean? And so now when I see it back, I'm like, I mean, I'm not like, um, I don't want to be overly nostalgic or like blow it up in any sort of way, but it's cool to see it through the eyes of like, say the guys who put it together and to be, oh, wow, this is a, this is a cool, interesting band. And I was in it. That's, that's, you know what I mean? So, and I think the music is still, is still great and, and, and resonates. So like, that's what I wanted. You know, that's what we all wanted. We wanted, we didn't say like, okay, let's make a record that people will listen to in 30 years. But we were definitely trying to make the best record we could make, you know, you know, under, you know, in a lot of ways, pretty cool circumstances, you know. So I don't know. That's a really long answer, but I think it's cool. I'm excited and, and honored and, and, you know, inspired to keep keep telling the story, you know, and keep the story going. I think your your take on it is actually really refreshing because again it kind of supports this theme of just constantly moving forward and seeking the new where you're cool with you know looking back on it and sort of reflecting on it and being like yeah that that was definitely a wild time you know for for the band for hardcore i think that's really refreshing to to hear sort of this level of groundedness and sort of awareness that like yeah it's like we did it and so like you said in the moment you wanted to make the best thing you possibly could, but it's not like you were anticipating a 30 year anniversary release no. and um, still like not riding off the heels of it, but letting that be like a definitive part of your legacy, even though it, it's one part of many aspects of, you know, what you've put out in the world. But I think it's cool that you, you have that particular perspective or approach to it where you're like, yeah, I mean, this is cool to see the, the guys at Iodine put this together and yeah. almost see it through their lens and how they kind of envisioned the optimized way of capturing that moment. And it seems like they did a fantastic job. Oh man, I, I love it. I, I think that, that makes me, 
yeah, seeing it through their eyes, it's like, holy shit, that's really, that just, it strikes me, you know, to try to be objective about it. It's like, this, this is very cool. The whole thing with music and anything, you know, anything art related, of course it is subjective and it's hard to have ob objectivity, especially as a, a fan of a, a band or music or art or any anything that someone else has made and put out in the world that affects you personally, right? It's hard to have that sort of objectivity to it where I think most people who are look, going to be receiving the vinyl, putting the vinyl on, diving into the book, looking through all of these photographs of, of you guys doing the thing that was just what you were doing, you know? But the way I think people receive it and the kind of, you know, and this is almost my own reflection of just even going through the book a few times, it brings me back to that time and gives me that feeling, you know, it just gives me that old feeling of like the old, the old flyers and the bills of all these bands that, um, you know, even like the typefaces mm -hmm. and the artwork, yeah. it's so distinct. It's so distinctive to that time. And it just, it transports me back. So yeah, I mean, I can, I can definitely see and appreciate your, your position, your position as one of the creators but it's wild how how music or art in general could just it just it, like you like we said earlier you know you put something out and then it's it's just out of your hands and how it's received so i i think it's a fascinating concept of putting work out there in the world and then it becoming something bigger than the people who made it in a way yeah i mean it's very and how that really magic. how it really takes takes over someone's mind someone's heart like mm -hmm. i mean this is what what's what's i think always drawn me to hardcore in general yeah or just underground music and because you can almost feel it on a visceral level you know from the artwork from the music itself from from a lyric you know from a beat um well, it's made the, on the it's made experience. on a very visceral level i think mm -hmm. you know it's it's made on a very visceral level i think all, hardcore like it just kind of implies like it's life or death here you know what I mean? Yes. That that yeah, that's that's thing, like, that's what hardcore means. Like you're you're 100 percent commitment. This is not some like uh, you know dilettante bullshit. You know what I mean? So I I think that that's what it it implies, and um, you know that that's what our our that's the vibe that we went with. You know what I mean? And that's just how how I think that just that's still alive, and that's what why people still keep wanting to claim that you know what I mean and um so it's it's really I feel at this stage like super grateful to be a part of that tradition and to still be a voice within it but also have my own voice and not you know I, I don't feel like beholden to any sort of thing really but it's just cool to see this track still continue to kind of create new cool shit you know what i mean and and to be part of that story so the slip is a very cool reminder I'm, I'm i'm excited i don't have the booklet i can't wait to read it and and check it out i've seen some of the photos though and it's like holy shit i have no memory of being there looking like that or but it definitely conveys a feeling of of what we were going through and what was what was happening and and um you know, so it's kind of cool to see some version of yourself that you've kind of, you know, I still inhabit in many ways, but it's, you right. know, it's only that time, you know, so it's very cool. Walter, thank you so much. 
I really uh, appreciate the time, man. Like, I feel like I can keep uh, talking to you and picking your brain and, you know, we should go on a run sometime. <laughs> I would love that. I'd love that. And I'm glad we got, we got to hit on so many different things, especially, uh, especially running and, and, uh, and, and that kind of stuff. Cause I think it's, it's definitely very interesting and applicable to all this kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, great totally talking great. with you. Yeah. Enjoy your time with the, the parents. Tell them I say hi. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Please consider subscribing and sharing this on social media. Don't forget to rate and review as well. It really means the world to me. You can also make a donation, buy a t-shirt, or send me a note on Instagram at microspymusic. Check out all other episodes at microspymusic.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>